0: time to get started if you'll find you a place and stand. We're going to sing Bring Them In this morning. Three verses. And take up our morning offering. It's 180 if you want to look in a hymnal. Hark is the shepherd's voice I hear. Out in the desert dark and drear. Calling the sheep who've gone astray. Where they Help Him, the one, bring ones to find, who'll bring the lost ones to the fold, where they'll be sheltered from the cold. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin, bring them in. Out in the desert hear their cry, out on the mountains wild and high. Hark is the master speaks to thee, go find my sheep where'er they be. And bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll take up our morning offering. Brother Wayne, would you word our prayer this morning, brother? Hey, Amen.
1: Thank you. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, listen, I had a, uh, I had an extra sheet of paper here that I brought in. Did did everybody at least a, every couple get one of these sheets? If not, uh, it's a thing. It says names of Antichrist compared with Christ on the top. It was just one one sheet there so um, that can kind of be used as a as a reference May, maybe not so much about what i'm particularly saying here but it's got a lot of scripture uh, pointed out with it there that i did go through and check and make sure that it's all in line with what the uh... with what the lesson says here anyway um, last week as we were finishing up I know that I kind of maybe got pretty close to running over time there, but at the end of the uh, lesson, I was asking about anybody had any questions about anything from last week. So did, did anybody have a question from something last week? Um, I know I was picking on you, Linda, uh, about it, but I, you probably didn't actually have a question. And so um, anyhow, kind of what we went through last week, and as we ended up there, we talk just as a recap about the key figures of the of the uh, tribulation the Holy Spirit, Satan, beast, false prophet, the 144 witnesses and then the two witnesses there and then um, the next thing we're going to start on is the is the uh, covenant and this covenant aspect of this lesson goes into the beginning of the tribulation period or the 70th week of Daniel and so um, as we get, started with that let me just have a word of prayer because uh, as you will see as we get into this stuff I in particular and maybe all of us in general are going to need the Lord's help to to get through this stuff it's very confounding it is I mean it's actually it's it's amazing and if you don't think the Bible was written by God You can't help but think the Bible was written by God when you're done with this because no man could ever (laughs) come up with all of the stuff that's that's going on here. It's quite spectacular and very interesting. So Father, we just come before you here now thanking you again for the time that we set aside here this morning to uh, study your word. I'd ask that you'd be with me as I teach. I'd ask the congregation to be receptive to what we say here. Lord, uh, take my fallibility. And uh, use your words here to uh, to clarify a lot of these things for us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So anyway, um, we're going to start off here with the with the covenant, and in the lesson itself, it talks about the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. This is not the rapture, but this is this not the rapture begins the tribulation. So we kind of mentioned here last week and everything, or maybe over the last several weeks, even with Pastor in here teaching, that that uh, we're not going to be here for any of this. Christians aren't going to be around for this. So it's one of these things where where if we're not going to be here, why do we even need to know anything about it? Well, one of the things that we're doing here, are our, our key verse for this whole lesson that we've been going is study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as we go through and we have people, and people are going to start asking questions. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how you look and you see in secular society how you, you, you talk to the same people. You do business transactions with the same people. There's the lady that you buy your groceries from, and there's the mechanic that works on your car, and there's all these different, all these different people. I personally, I don't know how you guys handle your private life, but I personally try to uh, uh, do business with Christian people. I try to find. I take my car down to Blessed Hands Garage. From what I can tell, everybody down there is a believer. There's Bibles sitting around and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they, they do good work, by the way and their prices are high, but, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And I don't mind necessarily supporting Christian businesses even with a little bit of extra, extra money there along those lines. But even in, in situations where you can't find somebody like that, I don't, I don't take my business elsewhere if I can't find a, or I take my business someplace else if I can't find a Christian that does it right. But um, even secular people that you talk to now, They'll ask you questions about, man, what do you think is going on over here with Russia and Ukraine, just talking, just, you know, general small talk kind of stuff. It's like, let me tell you all about what's going on there, and and here's how this works. And unless you kind of have at least a little bit of an idea about what the book of Revelation says and how this stuff works, you, you can't really even give somebody a good answer. I mean, as Christians, we don't want to just say, well, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on there. We want to know. We need to know what God is doing on this planet Earth that we operate in here, and we want to be able to tell people about the about the hope and the joy that we have in our hearts, even through all these tribulations that that the, the whole planet is going through right now. That uh, that number one, it can increase our faith, and number two, it might be the the avenue that causes somebody else to come to the faith also. You know so. Um, Incidentally, just as a uh, side note, I don't know how, um, how much any of you folks, uh, I don't socialize with a whole lot of you guys. I've never been over to your house for popcorn and movies or any of this kind of stuff, even though I would like to do that sometime, you know? Um, but occasionally we'll sit down and watch a movie, and we did last night. We watched this movie titled Forgiven. Has anybody ever heard of that movie or seen it or anything? Okay, yeah, so a few people have seen that. Excellent movie. Beautiful salvation message in it, and so I'll I'll leave it at that. If you have a chance to look it up and and uh, watch, the only the only reason why we watched that movie was the movie we were trying to watch, which was a, a movie titled "Miracles from Heaven." It's about a little girl that had some kind of a. Something wrong with her, and she falls out of a tree, and it all gets fixed. And I don't know if you ever heard of that, but anyway, that one wouldn't work out very good. And I don't know what the deal was with it. But we watched this other movie, and I'll tell you, it was a real, a real blessing. And again, I've got to watch it a second time because most of the time I was crying, and I couldn't even see the the screen while it was while it was going there. But um, with the start of this covenant here, the beginning of the seventieth week of Daniel, this is not this not the rapture begins the tribulation. We're not going to be here. Peace is spoken of and agreed upon. The Antichrist is at work, but not openly revealed. So that little sheet of paper that I, that I gave you there, it has some stuff on here about that Antichrist and some, maybe some references that you can look at. You know, the, um, uh, the, the Antichrist, whoever that person ends up being, All right, um, they've got all kinds of different names in the Bible, but that's not... The Antichrist is not one of them. There's all these other different things that come up. There are tons of people that are antichrist, but there's only one entity that comes along that the Bible refers to as the beast, and that is actually the Antichrist. And then that particular person is is named a whole bunch of different things as this whole thing starts to starts to unfold. And like I say, it can get to be pretty pretty confounded here. So anyway. The 70th week is then separated from the 69th week by a long period of time. And this, the the way we're talking about right now is the dispensational period called the church age. That's where we're at right now. So if you look on your little timetable we have in the back end of of the lesson number 28 there actually, you'll see that that bracket covers a whole bunch of different, this church age covers a whole bunch of different areas there. So anyway, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, hence, the 70th week does not begin until the end of the church age, at which point the church will be removed from the earth in an event called the rapture. That's when we're that's when we're done here with this whole with this whole thing. That's where our misery on earth ends and our glory forever and ever and ever begins. And so. Um, a a thing when you're talking to people and you mention something along those lines that's where you ought to probably have at your fingertips there at least some notion of how to give somebody a good salvation message and if it's no more than just you need to know jesus christ is your lord and savior if you want to get out of this seven-year mess that's going to be going on on this earth and you want to be bound for glory that, that's just a, a very brief thing. And, and just here again at the end of the lesson here today, I'm gonna to give you a little overview about what's gonna happen here probably beginning next, next month, the middle of next month with the Sunday schools and all that kind of stuff here, okay? Anyway, um, the covenant, then 70 weeks are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. So as we get into into this, this is written in the book of Daniel. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in Isaiah, a whole bunch of stuff in the book of Daniel, and then also, of course, in the book of Revelation about how all this junk is going to work. And so I have um, somewhere on here... Yeah, we're going to read through the book of Daniel here. Not the entire book of Daniel. S- starting in chapter 9. In the lesson plan here calls for us to look at uh Daniel 9:27. All right? That's the only thing. But I'm actually going to read Daniel 9:20 20 through 27 and then maybe even have some a little bit of comment on a couple of couple of things in here. So it, this is This is Daniel here, and he says, And whilst I was speaking and praying, it's always prayer in this, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Now, if you just stopped right there, um, I'm not a preacher. I've told you all that I'm not trained in any of that stuff, but I just look at that first sentence there that ends with a semicolon, and I go... Well, I could probably preach for a month on just what that says there. There's so many things right there in how we should conduct ourselves as, as, uh, as Christians and confessing my sin and praying, and we've had all these different things. We had a whole lesson, uh, you know, several weeks about how to, how to pray. And much to my shame, I have not... Particularly abided by any of that stuff that Pastor wrote down. I wrote it all down, and I kind of got it. I've studied a little bit, but I do not make a habit of keeping uh, prayer list necessarily. I I have a thing on my iPad. I try to pray for people as they re, as they request it and what have you. But uh, um, the way that he has that lined out, I could see where that would be a very beneficial thing to do. But I have not uh, disciplined myself quite enough to do it. Anyway. Uh, mountain of my God, yea, while I was was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. So as he's, as he's getting ready to pray, he has this thing come upon him that says, I'm going to give you some understanding about what's going on. Well, when I, when I was reading this, I, I stopped for just a minute in my study and said, I need some help along those lines, too. We, probably, probably all of us do, you know. I was telling Brother Gary here before we got started today, I said, this stuff is very, it, it's confusing, it's confounding there is uh, no way that I can come to conclusions about any of this stuff. I'd probably maybe have a conclusion about 10% of it right now, and that's just been through the Holy Spirit working for me. Where I've read some of this, and I'm like, okay, I get that. I totally understand where that's going. And then I read two more sentences, I'm like, I have no idea what this is, what this is talking about here. So it, it's not that God is the author of confusion, right? Um, I, I may be the author of confusion, but, but God certainly not. And the Bible says that. So anyway, you go through here, and if you get into a very in-depth study about this, and Brother Gary was saying, yeah, I've, I've sat under all kinds of different people that have preached about this and heard it over the years, all kinds of different things. It, it's not that it's, not, it's meant to be confusing. It's meant to be uh, us to have discernment based on the Holy Spirit's guidance about that. Some of us might understand all this stuff. There's probably 10 people in this room that know more about this than I'll ever know about it. But as I study, I am having things revealed to me about what, this, what all these scriptures mean. And, um, and so that, that's, how it, that's how it works. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understanding the matter, and consider the vision. Seventy weeks, here we go, 70 weeks are determined upon the people and thy holy city, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore that the prince shall be given seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall even in troublesome times And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary, and end thereof shall be with a flood, And and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and the determined shall be poured into the desolate. Now, that's Daniel 9, 20 through 27. Now, does anybody have any questions about what I just read there, even though it was kind of a broken, it's difficult to to read through that stuff. And uh, um, so if you don't have any questions, I have all kinds of questions about it there there's all these different all these different things that you go through and you look at these things and you're trying to just make sense of what it what it is so I naturally tend to gravitate towards uh, um, the the internet in most cases I try to go out there and, and look into commentaries written by men that are a lot smarter than I am and what have you and it was interesting to me because one of the commentaries that I ran across this morning was a, a commentary that was written by a guy back in 1939 which 19, so that's nine years before 1948, if my math is right, and that's when Israel became a state, you know, stroke of a pen, they were a state again, and that was one of the, one of the things that had to start happening before this whole end times thing comes along. Now, there's not a, a timetable given for any of when this is going to start, but once you get into the tribulation period, then the timetable is set it's seven years period however however that all works out however the math adds up as far as you know how many days in a month and all this kind of stuff is really kind of beside the point but there is a timetable and an interesting aspect of it is that when you get into the tribulation period there's stuff there that just kind of operates on its own thing and then when jesus gets involved there's appointed times it's really kind of neat to see that because we all, have, we all have our schedules that we go by and everything, right? I get up a certain time of day, I have my coffee, I do this, that, and the other thing. I do that pretty much just about every day, uh, seven days a week, no matter you know what's going on. It varies a little tiny bit, but uh, uh, there are things in our lives where you have an appointed time to be somewhere. Now, if you're in the habit of getting up at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning every morning, right, and all of a sudden you have a speeding ticket and there's a judge that says, I want to see you at my office at 7 a.m., you have an appointment. (laughs) And you probably better show up with it. And and so that's the same way the Antichrist or the beast is dealt with as this tribulation period goes on and Jesus starts saying, here's when this is going to happen, my friend, Not, not on your timetable. So just kind of something to kind of something to to think about there. Uh, Verse 24 lists the the things that are going to be accomplished by the end of the 70 weeks of Daniel here. The transgression, finish the transgression, make an end of sins, make reconciliation or atonement for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, anoint the most holy. By the end of his ministry on earth, Jesus at least partially fulfilled the first three items. By his sacrifice, Jesus provided a way for sin to be forgiven and became the atonement for our sins, reconciling us to God. That's all. You can read about that in Colossians 1:19 19 through 19 and 20. And he will finish completing these first three and the final three after his return. So he's got some, Jesus has actually got some, some work to be done but the work as far as we're concerned is already done. He died on the cross, buried, rose from the dead, and here's our job, folks. Faith. Believe in that. That's that's your that's the ticket to salvation, right? That's your ticket, your your avenue to heaven here and everything. That's what you can tell unbelievers. That's what you can point out to people that don't know anything about any of this stuff maybe. And, um, and, and then that might open up some doors for you to, to uh, talk to somebody about, about this. So the next thing, let me, let me just step back. Last week we should have wrote down in one of our things there was covenant was one of the lines you're supposed to, uh, or words you're supposed to fill out in, in the line here. And now the next thing that we're going to talk about here is Gog and Magog. And this is, this is all pointed out in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39, Gog and Magog. So everybody's probably heard those names before, right? We've, we've all heard that. We've seen it in scripture. We've seen, you know, something, somebody's name. And one thing is a guy's, the country. And this, there's all kinds of different stuff like that that goes on here. So anyways... Um, as we get into this, this is where you start getting kind of maybe changing a little bit from the whole idea of, of uh, let's take a look at this thing from a secular standpoint. And just if you go back and you type this into a Google search bar and you find out you know what people's opinions are about how all this stuff is going to work, it's a, um, uh, there's, I don't know, one billion three hundred eighty-two million pages worth of stuff that comes up out there on the internet, all of it believable, right? Because it's on the internet, and they can't, you can't go wrong with any of that. <laughs> Yeah, so I tell people it's like it's like eating watermelons. You better know which seeds to spit out, which ones you can eat if you want to, and all this kind of stuff. I personally, I'm too lazy to spit out any of the seeds, so I end up eating all of them. But um, anyways, the uh, as you as you start looking into this stuff, a Avenue that I went down and what I kind of found out about and what I looked into and what I'm going to tell you guys about here is a 15-page article that was written by a guy named David Jeremiah. Has anybody heard of this fella? You, you, so Steve, you you raised your hand right away. Is is he a is he a good guy? He seems to be. I I enjoy listening to him on the radio. I did not look into his theology or anything. Is he a is he a uh, King James guy, or what's that? Solid as, can be. Solid as can be. Okay, so there we have it on good authority. Somebody that I trust, um, brother Steve has pointed out the error of my ways on more than one occasion, and I I love you for that. I appreciate that, and and so I'm happy to I'm happy to hear about that. Anyway, he wrote a 15 page article about all of this stuff and what this this might mean. So we're gonna we're gonna look into that. Um, everybody's concerned about what's going on in. In Russia, in Ukraine, in Syria, all these different places, Iran, Iraq, the whole shoot and match. So, what we're supposed to do with the stuff that we're learning about here, and our understanding about the Scripture, it's not meant to rile up anybody. It's not to, not meant to scare us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we're not supposed to be scared about anything. God has this stuff all figured out. He knows what we need before we ever even ask about it. He's going to take care of his people. There's no question about that. All right. So um, if, you, if you start looking into these things, here's what, here's what this guy wrote. And I'm not going to read the whole article. I've just got stuff highlighted in here. But from the World Wars to the Cold War to the current ongoing war in Ukraine, the name Russia has increasingly appeared in headline after headline and often the center of so many or most or tr- most troubling global news stories. So we know that when Donald Trump was getting ready to run for president all through his presidency that the R- Russia was just brought up all the time, right? Collusion with them, all this other stuff. Now that we have a new guy in office and there was probably all the same kind of stuff going on, it's not really mentioned all that much other than how bad Vladimir Putin is, and what a rotten guy he is, and all this stuff, and he, and he probably is. I don't, I've never met him, so I don't know anything about Vladimir Putin, but uh, other than what I see on the news about him and historical things about the man. But um, anyway, when, when you start looking into this, you see a big giant secular change in what is talked about. It used to be China was our biggest problem, right? Now, I have my personal opinion about what our biggest problem is, and I think it's the United States government, but we won't, <laughs> we won't go into all of that right now. But from a secular standpoint, as it uh, relates biblically to the Book of Revelation, Russia is a big, gigantic, major player in it. As a matter of fact, David Jeremiah's uh, article here, it goes on to say that the United States of America is not really even, it's not even brought up in any of this end time stuff. So we could, be, we could be on some kind of a decline in our country. Again, no timetable set out for when all of this stuff is going to start. Once it does start, then there's a very specific timetable set out uh, about it, at least in the number of days and years it is. So anyway, there, here's, just some, here's just some stuff that, that this guy clipped out of some recent articles. Russia warns of Chernobyl repeat in Ukraine due to, a, due to the National Atlantic Treaty Organization aid. So there's some, there's some threats there about what's going on. The Russia-Ukraine war, Hungary signs new energy deals with Russia, UN tally of, of Ukraine civilian deaths is at 8,500 people right now. There's a man we know from up in our old church in Cleveland, there named Ron Jackson, and he is a minister to the soldiers over in Ukraine. And he tells us in letters that he sends back to the church that there are soldiers and Ukrainian people over there being saved by the hundreds right now, people coming to Christ. Begging for literature, begging for for uh, Bibles to carry with them into the war and stuff. His Ron Jackson's pretty neat guy. He used to go over there and and he'd be gone for a week. He'd come back and give you two weeks worth of reports. Right? The last time you went over there, he hasn't come back. He sends stuff and says, "I'm staying over here. This is this is such fertile ground. I mean, it's just amazing the number of people that are getting saved during this whole thing." Well, that's all part of down the road. The Jewish people are going to start getting saved by the at the beginning of all this stuff. So there's a whole bunch of different things here going on secularly that are, are indicative of what might be going on as far as the Lord coming back soon. I had mentioned uh, briefly a little while back that I had a magazine that Wally had loaned to me. Actually, I guess he gave it to me because I still have it. So if he loaned it to me, I haven't given it back yet, but whatever. Um, anyway, it's all about Jesus' second coming. And I'll tell you what, there is some really amazing stuff in there. It's neat to see how people talk about how, yeah, this, is, this might be what this looks like. And they, they base their artistic license on what the Bible says and how, this, how the scripture spells it out. Um, Russian and Chinese defense officials agree to strengthen defense ties I mean we we see that and what was the what was the latest thing here I think just last week there was some uh, stuff about North Korea now is Vladimir Putin is asking North Korea to provide him with arms and you know all kinds of stuff to help out with this with this battle um as a little as I know about all that I do, I do know this. I don't think that the war over there is going quite like Vladimir Putin wanted it to go. I think he thought he was going to be in and out of there in a week, and I think we're on what week number 58 or something now of that war. It's been a, it's been a real, a real mess there. So anyway, that's none of our concern. That's all God's dealings. He puts these people in place, he takes them up, puts them up, takes them back down. This is how it, this is how it works. Um, probably many more of them that we can, we can think of as we, we go here. So here's, uh, here's what Dr. Jeremiah says about this. He says, could this be mere coincidence, question mark, evidence of nothing more than typical international machinations and power plays countries have engaged in since the beginning of time? Could it be that? Here's what gives a guy like me hope, David Jeremiah nationally recognized preacher and all this kind of stuff here's what he says perhaps (laughs) maybe maybe not nobody knows so when i i feel like sometimes i'm in good company when i don't know all the answers to these questions because other people that their life is studying this stuff don't necessarily know the answers there's one guy that knows the answer. God in heaven knows the answer about when it's all going to start. As a matter of fact, I think Jesus even said he doesn't even know. He said, hey, God the Father is the one that knows. Because remember they were asking him, when's all this stuff going to happen? He says, I don't know. Discern it. You can know what the weather is by looking at the at the sky in the morning and at night. But you need to kind of look at the signs of the times, too. So we have some idea about this stuff. The more I study God's word, the more convinced I become these headlines or uh, are pieces of a prophetic puzzle falling into place as our world edges closer to the last days. So that's, um, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty encouraging. I've mentioned I wouldn't mind if, if it all happened right this second except I still have unsaved family members. That I just, I can't, I, I, I don't know what it is. I fancy myself on being somebody that's good about preaching and telling people about the gospel of Jesus but I can't get through to my family. About this they are so steeped in Catholicism they just will not they just won't let it go and so anyway uh, they're gonna find out every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that's who you need to put your faith in trust here's what we need to know about it Russia is identified as Rosh in Ezekiel's prophecy 2,500 years ago predicting an attack on Israel in the future so we kind of we kind of know that that's all going to happen. I was watching another uh, evangelist and preacher on on the thing, and he had this big giant map of all this stuff up on the up on the screen. Now I don't have the benefit of a of a map, but you can kind of you can kind of get a picture of the world. You can get yourself a globe, and you can kind of look at where all these different places are at, and the relative positioning of them around Israel is what people come to, to that to say yeah that when they're talking about that this they're talking about Russia or when they're talking about this place they're talking about Iran or when they're talking about this place they're talking about China. So um, anyway it was referred to as Rosh in uh, you know Ezekiel's prophecy. Russia's role in the prophecy is significant as it leads an alliance of nations against Israel. Boy and that's that's kind of what's going on right now and there is a list of all these different people that, that are, you know, people have to take sides during these things. During the, the Second World War, First World War, Second World War, we had our, it was Axis and Allies, right? We all had different sides. Um, you, you talk to a lot of different people, and they, they, they may, particularly young folks, you, you ask them, hey, whose side was Russia on during the Second World War, and they're not real clear about that. We might not have wanted them to be, but but this is just the way that the thing all worked out, and it was a it was a terrible terrible thing. Um, You know, everybody knows always Germany and Japan and all that stuff. But they think Germany was really the 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 really really terrible people in that. But go look at your history. The Japanese were they made the Germans look like saints compared to how they did things I mean it was terrible it, the, the way that it all panned out and I didn't I wasn't smart enough when I was in school getting educated about this to learn anything about it I've learned about it as a as a later in my life here, probably within the last 15 years that I have really started looking at the history of these things and, and documentaries on it and reading books about it and all that kinda of stuff anyway the next thing here the Alliance includes nations nations such as the former Stan countries Turkey Iran, Sudan, Libya, and possibly Germany. Now, I haven't heard much about Germany lately in any of this stuff. They kind of seem like they keep their distance, unless I'm just missing something here. Uh, Before Russia attacks, Israel must be present, prosperous, and peaceful in its own land. Now, there was something there that I just learned during this part of this study here. I didn't know about about, uh, Israel at some point during all this thing, they become just an arms-free nation. Right now, if you ever go over there to that place, and there's everybody and their brother has guns on their shoulders and, you know, that's just how they walk around because they're under, they're under imminent attack constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Despite the seemingly overwhelming force of the Russian-led alliance, God will protect Israel. That's kind of pointed out those, we talk about those left behind series of books and all that kind of stuff, Re- reading that aspect of that thing when that all happened. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. You kind of start looking in your mind there a little bit about, wow, I wonder what that's gonna, I wonder what that's gonna look like. All these things coming in from every direction and they're just being diffused and, and, and not doing what they're supposed to, supposed to be doing. The prophecy serves as a reminder of God's power and protection even in situations that seem hopeless and insurmountable you guys ever had any things in your life that seems hopeless and insurmountable well i've had i've had the last year of my year and a half of my life with this faa thing seems hopeless and insurmountable but god has shored me up and has given me a piece about it that you can't even describe i have no idea why i have the attitude that i have about my job and all that stuff right now. But the only way that I can describe it is that God has just granted me the peace about it and everything. Not sure what he's gonna do with me next, but I'm happy to do whatever it is he wants me to uh, wants me to do. Hopeless and insurmountable. Think about those two words because uh, when you're feeling like that, there's a God in heaven that loves you and can deal with all of those things. May not deal with them the way you want them dealt with, but he can give you some peace of mind about it and, and you'll have peace with God about it. Um, in recent years, Russian President Vladimir Putin has aggressively pursued reunification of the Soviet bloc. He's annexed Crimea, crept in the Republic of Georgia, and invaded Ukraine. That's all going on right this second, right? So, what does the Bible say about modern Russia? There's, if If you all wanted to go out and just, if you're savvy with the computer. You can go find this entire article. It's, it's actually fascinating reading, but it's 15 pages long, and I don't want to have to sit here and go through all this stuff. Approximately 2,500 years ago, Ezekiel predicted specific events that will occur in Russia's future. He begins Ezekiel 38, which is what our text, what our lesson here is referencing now, is this Ezekiel 38. Um, with a long list of nations that will attack Israel. None of these nations are called Russia. That name is not found anywhere in the Bible. However, the reference to Rosh in verse two is shortened version of the word Russia. This can be determined linguistically and geographically. The Bible describes Rosh as being to the far north of Israel, which was a reference point for Ezekiel's original audience both ezekiel and daniel describe israel's end times aggressor as descending from the north so if we had the map up there we could point out where all these different places are and it's pretty clear where, where you know i was looking at the map i seen the map that this guy had up on the on the website that i was looking at and it's pretty clear what the names of these countries are and and how they all how they all work daniel used the phrase king of the north to describe the commander of the alliance Ezekiel's prophecy lends support to Daniel's, indicating the invading armies will arrive in Israel from the far north. Russia is the only modern nation to match this description. Wow. So um, he, he refers to Russia as a modern nation. Now, I'm not so certain how modern Russia is. I'm not sure if when they say this that it's a matter of a relative comparison. Or if it's a modern nation compared to how they were 25 or 30 years ago. I'm not sure about all the technology that they have. Here's what I do know about, here's what I do know about the, the Russians, and it's strictly from an aviation standpoint. Every time we were parked next to a Russian airplane, those Russian guys in their broken English would come over and ask us, can we see what the inside of your airplane looks like? And we'd always say, Yeah and we'd let them take pictures, we'd let them do whatever they wanted, you know, and they always sat in the pilot seat and took pictures of themselves and all this kind of stuff. They're actually very friendly people. They're very nice people, at least the ones that I've met. And then I'd say, hey, I'd like to go take a look in your airplane, and the answer was always no. Yeah. We're not gonna let you go look in our airplane. And I found out one day that they're just ashamed of their stuff. They're so far behind anything like we have in America that it's, it's just not even funny. So when they when they say this about this, it's a modern nation. I'm not sure exactly how that all stands. I guess they're not living in caves anymore. Some of these nations, you look at them, and they're not very modern. Some of the big cities that are built up in them, and I've been to lots of them, are, are all built up and fantastic and everything. You get five miles outside the city, and it's It's kind of like going to Mexico. If you go down to Mexico and your view of Mexico is what it's like when you're at the all-inclusive resort for your vacation, that's not what Mexico is about. Get get a half a mile outside the resort and you'll see Mexico for what it's it's worth. When we were on a vacation down there, I made my family. I said, one afternoon, we're going to have our rental car and we're going to drive out and you're going to see what Mexico is about and we're going to eat at a street vendor in Mexico and hopefully we won't get sick from it. And we didn't. We actually had some very good food except Patty would not, she wouldn't eat any of it. She made me go across the street somewhere or something, get a pizza to eat, you know. But it's a whole different world what we might see about some of these places and what they actually are when you dig down into it. And and sometimes dig down into it, even just a little tiny bit there. So, um, some scholars believe Gog is a title rather than a personal personal name. So, the names and places Ezekiel describes are foreign to us today, but a closer look at the scripture and history will help us translate these into modern terms. So, who's going to join Russia's prophesied alliance? Magog. Gog is from the land of Magog. Verse two. Magog was also the name of one of Noah's grandsons. Genesis ten. Two verse one here, and in Chronicles one five, and many scholars believe his descendants settled around the Black and Caspian Seas on Russia's southern border. In the and then he, he touts this Jeremiah study Bible. I identify the region as formal stand countries: Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and perhaps Afghanistan. All former constituents of the Soviet Union. What unites the 60 million residents, now listen to this, this is important. What unites the 60 million residents of this region today is their religion, Islam. Alright? Now, we know, so so you kind of build on these things. You start looking at how how do these things start reacting with one another and everything, right? Well, if a Whole bunch of people from the Islam nation walked in here. Let's say there were 50 soldiers from Islam walked into this room right now, and said, uh, "Are all you guys believers in Jesus Christ?" And we all said, "Yeah, I sure am." You know, hopefully the God will give us the grace to do that when the time comes. Right? Every one of us would have our heads lopped off probably within a matter of 30 seconds. There wouldn't be any of us alive anymore. All right. So you start you start looking at these people that are kind of aligning or you know aligning themselves against Israel down the road. There's going to be lots of them. They say the Bible says it's a large army of people bigger than bigger than anything out there. Our lesson even comments about that. But then it goes on to say, but it's nothing compared to the Battle of Armageddon when that thing finally shows up here. But anyway, you've got all these people right now that really, really, really hate Christians. So what has to happen then? Uh, number one, you need to get rid of the Christians. That that would be a that would be a good start, if, according to Islam. Just get rid of all of us, folks. We're troublemakers, right? We have a certain indignation that we go by. We try to do things that are right. We try to go by the Bible. We try to follow Jesus and what have you. But uh, they don't like that. So now there's going to be this awakening over in Israel that's got to. where where finally the Israeli people finally start realizing that Jesus really is the Messiah. And they start getting saved by the tens of thousands. There's tons of them start getting saved over there. That's one of the things, that's one of the catalysts that sets off this fuse to these nations starting to attack Israel. And we'll we'll go through that. I mean, we're going to be out of time here. This thing went by faster than I thought it was going to. And I got this far on our sheet. There's just so much stuff here to to go through with this, and I hope you're finding it as interesting as I do. You know, it's uh, it's pretty neat stuff. But anyway, there's going to be all that all that influence there, and it's primarily going to be people that are are Islam-minded folks. We seen that what they did. We just had our anniversary of September 11th here. uh, What what's the date right now? So it was six days ago. 9-11, 9/11, 2001. I remember it like it happened 20 minutes ago. Where I was at, what I was doing that day. Um, I was in the profession then that I'm in today, and and uh, you know that had all this havoc wreaked on our on our country. And an interesting thing is is used to be that that we about two or three weeks before 9/11 came up, we were talking about how we don't ever want to forget it. Now I don't even think. On nine ten there were very many people saying, We don't want to forget what happened tomorrow. And then on nine eleven there wasn't even a whole bunch of stuff that got said about it then really, which is kind of kind of a shameful thing. I know Pastor brought it up and, and mentioned something about it and even said something along the lines of we really don't want to forget this and and we don't want to forget it. Um we, and, and we don't ever want anybody to, to forget that. But here's what's gonna happen down the road with Israel. And God is going to have to intervene. There's going to be something far worse than 9-11 is going to happen. But God is going to save the day with it. Amen. And it's going to be an interesting thing to study about how all that's going to happen. So anyhow, with that right there, I have a, uh, and, and we're, going to, we're going to do more with this article next week because we, we're not even close to being to the, to the end of it. So I'm going to just write down here that we're done and start next week with this. And just very briefly, here's what I'm thinking we're going to, um, here's what I'm thinking we're going to do. I got called into a meeting, I don't know, it's been a few weeks ago, and pastor had uh, Brother Brinson and myself in there and said, hey, what do you guys want to do for your Sunday school lessons now? Because we're going to be within the next uh, four or five weeks, we're going to be at the end of, of this. We're going to be starting up probably we'll probably finish lesson 27 next week and then get into into lesson 28 the week after that and that may take a few weeks so we're going to have some time here and um i had asked a while back if any of y'all had any idea about what you might like to to do as a sunday school and i had a couple of people say some stuff to me wally being one of them with that magazine hey maybe we could study about uh, jesus and his second coming and uh, and I thought about doing that, I thought that would be a really a really interesting thing to do, but the problem is is that we're kind of doing that right now at the end of this and so i and, and I didn't really know what that lesson twenty eight was about, so we're probably not going not going to do that then there was a uh, another suggestion that we look into prophecy versus how it actually happened well, we're doing that now too, you know this is what's what's coming up here and then um, uh so i just kind of looking around, trying to figure out some stuff. I sought some counsel from my one of my son-in-laws, as a matter of fact. And he says, you know, Jeff, what might be something that may be helpful to your class, and I w- I'm all in favor of this sort of thing, is do something that will bolster their faith. Do, do something that will give them boldness in our faith and in our witness and what we're doing here. And so that's probably what we're going to do. I've ordered a couple of books and I've just got to, I'm have going to write my own outlines for these things and, and how it's all going to go, that, it may end up in a disaster. It, 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 it may not work. I'm, I'm very skilled and trained at writing lesson plans. I mean, I've, I've done this kind of stuff. And I think I can do it with God's Word, but, but I'm not terribly confident about that. But anyway, that's what I think we're going to do. It's going to be how to increase our faith, boldness in our faith, rightly dividing the word of truth and there'll be some stuff about the witnessing there'll be stuff about better bridgeport junk we will do here and i'm hopeful that it'll be a blessing to you we gotta quit they're filling up with congregation right now ow out! you're not even supposed to be in here anyway father thank you for the time that you've given us here today we'd ask that you be with the preachers he brings us the word this morning we love you thank you and praise you in christ's name thank you folks i appreciate your attention